Okay. So I'm Sin. I run the OSINT Dojo. I also have background in both law enforcement, government, and now the private sector. Um, most of my experience in OSINT is primarily dealing with attribution. So can I identify somebody who committed a crime? Can I find enough proof online that, you know, the person who we believe committed this crime did in fact uh, do so? So how do people in my profession use OSINT? As a cybercrime investigator, our use of OSINT typically hinges around attribution. So can we tie this online activity to a specific group or better yet to an actual real identity? For example, as we're going through a timeline of what happened, you know, from maybe a hack or some other kind of malicious activity, we might look at logs or other sort of data. Within this data, you might find sort of interesting identifiers that are left behind by the attacker. Something like maybe an IP address they leveraged or maybe an email they used to fish their victims. So what we do is we take those identifiers and we pivot off of those to see if we can find any other information. Are there domains hosted on this IP address? Does this email domain have you know, owner information that maybe gives us an idea of who might have registered this email domain? Things like that. And so that helps us identify other leads, which we then pivot back and check in on our internal data. And so it's not really uncommon to sort of do this pivot right back and forth from both OSINT to our internal data sources. You might do this many, many times. And as you do so, each time you identify new leads, which you then turn around and check back on your other data source. It helps you complete more of a, more of a complete picture of what actually happened. And so the end goal of this is for us to have enough links that allow us to determine the likelihood that a person of interest either did or did not actually commit the, the crime that we, that we found. So how did I develop my OSINT skills? Honestly, growing up, I was pretty much always online unless you know somebody needed to use the telephone. Um, and so a lot of my initial techniques and methodologies just for searching a lot of that came from just being around some of the right places, the right message boards and chats as a teenager. Um, later on, I attended grad school and that's where I studied intelligence analysis. That really helped with some of the more formal things, right? Like the analytical process, the report writing, that kind of stuff. Apart from that though, I think a lot of what I've learned, you know, both OSINT, pivoting techniques, those sort of things, a lot of that came from on the job situations. So I have been lucky to work for some really incredible organizations. And so I've kind of had the chance to really push my limits. I mean, as you can imagine, a lot of these jobs, like you have a time crunch, right? You have a very short amount of time to identify a target, sometimes only using OSINT. And so it's a lot like baptism by fire, right? Like you, you learn quickly because you have no choice. Um, but I think part of my growth is also because I like looking for a challenge. So I don't go looking for like, you know, low hanging fruit just to get numbers on the board. Instead, I'm always trying to seek out something that's more complicated, something more interesting, because if I'm not always testing myself, like I'm going to get rusty, right? The skills are never going to grow that way. So a real life story about someone in my profession using OSINT for their work. I'd say probably one of the more notable, example, notable examples of investigators leveraging OSINT for attribution would probably be the Silk Road. Uh, you know, Silk Road, the Dread Pirate Roberts, which was the admin. And so during this investigation, investigators are kind of digging into this dark web market. And so they go back and they find the earliest mention of the Silk Road on the clear net. And so the person who was posting about it, they took that username and they pivoted to another form 
found another individual with the same username. I believe it was on a Bitcoin form, if I'm not mistaken. And so on that second form, the individual under this username actually posted their email, which included the name Ross Albright. And so you know, law enforcement is now looking into Albright. They noticed that someone with the name Ross Albright had used that as their username on a, yet another forum. And on this forum, they were asking for help for a dark web market or a dark web website. Um, and then shortly after they changed their username to something else. And so, you know, investigators are digging in on Ross Albright. Um, I think there was also another mention of, it was like some obscure like libertarian institute that both Albright and the Dread Pirate Roberts had both uh, referenced in some of their online posts. And, you know, all of this is very circumstantial on its own. It's, it's some really good information, but, you know, those are just leads, right? And so what law enforcement had to do was they had to take that open source information that they, that they had, use it, pivot into their internal data, right? Law enforcement databases and those sort of things. And then from there, they were actually able to confirm that, yes, Ross Albright was indeed Dread Pirate Roberts, um, the, the administrator and the owner of Silk Road, um, which, and then eventually, obviously, he, he did get arrested. For somebody who wants to pursue a career in cybercrime investigations, specifically using OSINT uh, and doing cybercrime, I think one of the things that really hinders a lot of folks trying to get into this field is, you know, something they did in the past that might raise flags during a background check. And so you can't really change things you've already done, obviously, but if you continue to operate across that line, right, of what's legal, then you're certainly going to have a harder time when it inevitably comes up during, you know, a background check. But outside of that, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of it's just getting a grasp of the basics. You know, the basics of computers, how they work, it's probably one of the best starting points because you need to understand what it is the bad actors are doing, how it is they're operating, how do they get in, you know, what are they exploiting? If you don't have a basic understanding of those sort of things, uh, then you're really going to have a, have a hard time. Now, you don't need to be an expert on things like forensics, networking, programming, but just having a general knowledge of these sort of topics, um, that's a great starting point. Because at the very least, you know, the base knowledge of this stuff is gonna give you an idea of where to search, what data points are important, what can you pivot off of, and then, you know, what are dead ends? For the most part, entry-level jobs for cybercrime investigators aren't really easy to come by. And so most places are gonna to wanna to have some sort of experience, right? You can gain this experience by volunteering. Um, I know many agencies I've worked for in the past, they do take interns at a couple of different points during the year. Um, if you can't do that, things like ge geolocation challenges on Twitter, those in Dojo, uh, Try Hack Me, uh, Trace Lab events are also a really good way to learn the techniques and apply what you know. And while they're not the same caliber as what you would encounter in a, you know, a sophisticated real world investigation, they are solid building blocks they can also serve as an inspiration for you know, drafting reports or kind of trying your hand at other analytical products before you sort of get your first gig in the field. I think right now, probably one of the best places to meet other folks in OSINT is honestly Discord. I think in the past, it used to be a little bit shifted more towards Twitter, um, but I am finding now that a lot of folks have, have moved into Discord, um, places like the OSINT Curious Project Discord. Um, I know there's, there's just any kind of, you know, specific niche you can think of in OSINT, whether it's military uh, intelligence or, um, you know, trace labs for, you know, missing people, any kind of like focus that you want to, to you can even consider. Um, I think all of them at this point have their own sort of Discord channel. Um, so I think that's probably the best place, best place to start. I think I'm going to be, uh, you know, 
<laughs> beating a dead horse on this one, but I think if I, if I could give any advice for newcomers, one of my biggest pet peeves is to learn the methodology. Um, you know, learn the intelligence cycle, learn the process, learn how things work and don't rely solely on the tools. I cannot express how many times I've been, you know, deep in investigation and when I need a tool the most, it's it's breaks, it's unavailable or something has happened in, in a way that I can no longer use it for its intended purpose. And when that happens, the investigation does not stop. You can't just quit because the tool doesn't work. And so, you know, try not to put yourself in that kind of situation where you're so reliant upon a tool that if the tool does become unavailable, that you cannot continue an investigation, that, that's a problem, right? So focus on the methodology, focus on the things that you can control, um, because there are gonna be things like that that you cannot.